to Modern Figures Podcast, hosted by Dr. Jeremy Waysom and Dr. Kyla McMullen, where we are elevating the voices of Black women in computing to inspire the next generation of the advanced technology workforce. This podcast exists to highlight the stories of Black women in computing, to inspire high schoolers and the young at heart, and to dispel the myths and preconceptions about Black women in computing. This podcast wouldn't be possible without our sponsors. This season is generously supported by NCWIT and CRAWP. The National Center for Women and Information Technology, or NCWIT, is a nonprofit community that convenes, equips, and unites change leader organizations to increase the influential and meaningful participation of girls and women in technology. And the Computing Research Association's Committee on Widening Participation in Computing, or CRAWP, endeavors to increase the success and participation of underrepresented groups in computing research and education at all levels. All right, so we have special guests today, which are us, if you haven't caught on by now, Everyone is a special guest and everyone's going to get But you've been calling everybody a special guest and you've been saying lately extra, extra special. Extra, extra special because I already realized I call people special guests. Everybody gets special guests. (laughs) But then I'm like, okay, if special is the default, how do I make them feel even better? They are an extra special guest. So Mm. it's us today. That's the point. (laughs) (laughs) And this is part two of a series. It'll have about nine or 10 parts, most likely 10. And these are a peek into academic life. This is a series that we're calling Young, Gifted, and Black Academic. And this is something that we want to use to just demystify a lot of the academic process, especially if you're a graduate student, you're considering a PhD, if you're thinking about going into academia, getting tenure, because we are in those phases or have done those phases. So um, we, and it's completely different. And there's lots of resources out there already. But the thing that differentiates us is that we are Black and we have a whole (laughs) different experience. We're also women. We're also in a STEM field. And, you know, we're at PWI. So there's lots of nuances about our experience that we would like to share with y'all. So as I said, these are based on our experiences. So your mileage may vary. Um, And all right, we're just going to get it started. So wait, what are we talking about today? So today, our topic more so deals with making the decision to go to graduate school or to mm-hmm. get into a PhD program, because everyone doesn't necessarily know, you know, if this is right for you. And we're not here to be the people who are the gatekeepers to say, yes, you're this kind of person, so you should do it. And no, you're not this kind. But we can tell you some things about graduate school, because you don't learn a lot about it in other areas of life, including actual like undergrad even though it's, it look, occurs at the exact same place they're two completely different lives and mm-hmm. jeremy can definitely tell you that because she did undergrad and grad at the same place and they were two different worlds night and day <laughs> night and day right so we want to talk to you about just making um making that decision choosing a grad school things you can do to make yourself stand out finances real life things like that so First, let's let's just jump into what is grad school all about? Like what makes grad school or a PhD program different than undergrad? What do you think, Jeremy? 
I mean, a PhD program, I feel, is a little bit easier to describe to people. Like, I am in intensive training to be an expert in something. And ultimately, the goal is for me to walk out of there as the foremost expert in whatever I chose to study. And that's, like, not a thing that people tell you, like... When you leave your PhD program, you are going to be the most knowledgeable person in your discipline about X, Y, and Z, whatever it is that you've decided to research, which is kind of intimidating, but then it's also kind of baller at the same time. Right. Like a super baller. Yeah. Oh, that's so. true. Yeah. You're supposed to be the expert. I would also add, like, for me, it was more so the questions or the depth of which you were expected to understand things. Mm -hmm. And I felt like in undergrad, it was, you know, hey, here is math class. Know how to do this. <laughs> hey, this is, you know, here is information. Regurgitate it back to me on a test so I know that you know it. Mm -hmm. I felt like grad school was, yeah, here's the information. Yeah, you know it, but apply it to this other thing that you've never seen before mm. or learn how to work with gray area or things that are undefined. So I felt like it took undergrad to a whole nother level because it was not even about the knowledge. It was the application of that knowledge. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I, I, I also like tend to describe to people you know, a lot of people go on to get master's degrees and they want to know like what differentiates a master's degree from a bachelor's degree. And in my opinion, it's, you know, I mentioned this in the, on the, the prior episode, like there are certain things that they have to expose you to in your discipline for them to meet the criteria they need to meet for a governing body that says like engineers must know X, Y, Z, right. or ABC, through XYZ. <laughs> <laughs> and then they throw some numbers in A1, B1, C1. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and so, like, you know, they're just trying to give you that information and you may or may not grasp it. And depending on the type of instructor you have, they may not actually know how to measure whether you've grasped it. Um, but at the graduate school level, like, once you do the coursework, like for your master's degree, it's a different ball game. They really want to ensure that you understand the concepts. And like, for me, I think they consider you a colleague more than they consider you a student because oftentimes, even with master's degrees, you get a lot of people who come back to do those. And so they are a more professional degree program than they are, you know, I don't know, something for, children who have just gotten out of high school <laughs> that are trying to check out the, a box. Yeah, that's a good point. It's I remember my first test in grad school, like I did not stop writing the entire time. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, the magnitude of work and things that you all would like us to do. But, you know, not even just the coursework, like Jeremy was talking about, like also the research and being like the foremost expert. I would even say um, you have to be able to work well with uncertainty mm -hmm. and like mapping out problems or someone gives you a problem and mapping out a solution and it's not saying oh you need to know the solution right away no. yeah. but you need to know how to get the answer in a way that makes sense so 
um, relying on other research. Like my uh, dissertation advisor, he's like, it's called research for a reason. Like it's not search where you just Google it and find out, you know, it's like if, if you could just figure it out, you know, the quick Google is called just search, but research is you iteratively solve this problem and use the things that you know. And that yeah. was definitely a huge, I had I never had to do that. I was like, okay, X equals two. That is the answer. But it's like, There's what is it? Methods. Yes. That you have to use to figure things out. And nobody teach you, teaches you any of those methods. Right. Unless you're like an undergraduate researcher, um, in which case that's a varies by who you work for scenario. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, totally different. So let's say a person is like, you know what? Grad school is amazing to me. That sounds great. Wait, wait, wait. Can uh-huh. I just say this? Really oh, yeah, yeah. I just okay. thought about it. Like, I think the other thing is, you know, you go to class and then you go home and you study for your test, right? Like that's what undergrad feels like. And then you do fun stuff when you have time. Um, but if you go to a graduate program and you choose to be someone engaged in research, you don't just go home, like you right. have a job. <laughs> so <Right. laughs> you go to class and then you go to the lab and then you spend however much time you need to spend in the lab. And then you go home and you do homework and maybe do some more stuff for the lab. <laughs> right. Um, and then also the other thing is, um, you know, we do a lot of work to showcase what we found in our research to our colleagues and to the general public. And so you have to go to conferences and meetings and things of that nature to present your work. Mm -hmm. So you have to get comfortable with traveling and presenting and talking to people and explaining things that are typically very complex in ways that other people can understand them. So, I mean, there's different layers. We need to talk about that. So I think that's important to mention too. That is an excellent, excellent point. So if you're listening to that point, you're like, yes, sign me up for this grad school thing. How do you pick the right grad school? So I you, can't answer like, that. Well, how did you choose? I mean, you had <laughs> options. How did? Why did you choose to stay at UF instead of, hey, I'm going to go somewhere else? I think this is really ironic that you're asking me this question because I am currently not feeling my greatest. And it's oh, because sorry. of the same issue that ultimately led to me staying at UF. So, oh, um, yeah, I um, I struggle with a lot of um, gastrointestinal health issues. At the time of me applying to graduate school, I had no idea what was going on. Like, I just knew my body was losing its mind. And I'm not going to spare you the details. <laughs> um, but I have three different conditions that I was ultimately diagnosed with over the course of like six months. Man. Um, and so I often couldn't go to class. I had a lot of work that I had to catch up on. And was in and out of doctor's offices a lot. So... I uh, I think it was just too much. Like there was too much happening all at once. And it was my senior year and I was, you know, involved in student organizations and doing all the things. And I was like, nah. Right. I can't put <laughs> nothing else on my plate right now. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just sometimes life happens that way where it's just like, the clear answer for me is to not add additional stress yeah. to what's going on. And 
I think being able to recognize that was really important for me um, in terms of growth. Like I felt like, oh, I'm an adult now. Like I made an adult choice <laughs> <laughs> because the, the the real like really inside of me, like I I was not trying to be in Gainesville, Florida. I'm in my spirit. I'm still not really trying to be hilarious, (laughs) but I'm still here. Um, so it was just, it was a hard choice, but that was what drove that decision. Now there's a whole other story about how I changed from a master's degree to a PhD, which we could talk about, but yeah, go into it. Let's hear it. I mean, I feel like they should hear what you, okay. I'll say my process. So I would say for me, um, what's the word? I like support. So when I was in undergrad, I had an awesome support system through my scholarship program um, at UMBC, the Meyerhoff scholarship program. And I felt like that's what college needs to be like for everybody. Like (laughs) I was really, I mean, I know other schools don't have it, but like, I just wasn't, I didn't know how little support there was out there. So when I was looking for grad schools, in the back of my mind, I was like, I need to find where I'm going to be supported. So I went to like different visits at different schools. And um, for some reason, when I went to Michigan, like, and it wasn't even an overt program that someone, you know, did or an interaction. It was literally me observing the grad students. And they were just like one or two years above me. And um, they were like, oh, did you find a research person for the summer? Oh, you didn't talk to this person. They were so invested in each other's lives and like what Mm. was going on. I'm just watching them because, you know, I got to whatever little reception we had early. And I'm like, okay, I'm just watching the students already there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they care about each other the way that, you know, I, I can see this conversation happening, you know, exactly where I just came from. And Mm. then once I met them, it was like, oh, what's your phone number? Okay. These are the classes you need to take. So I was like, okay, I feel like I would have family here. So Mm. um, I'm not saying that's everywhere, but you definitely, you might just see that in a research lab, you might observe it somewhere. But like, for me, it was about support. It was also about notoriety. So uh, Michigan, every program they had was in the top 10 when I got there. And Mm. so I was like, even if I don't want to do computer science anymore, I can jump into something else and switch majors and still be at a school that has a program in the top 10. So yeah, yeah, it was like, okay, this is not a bad choice. And also it was not on my radar. I was not trying to go Hmm. there, but um, yeah, good program. Uh, the research that was going on, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Well, I had an idea of what I wanted to do. I just didn't know it wasn't research. So <laughs> it was a project. The idea of what I wanted to do for research was a project, um, but it wasn't actually research. But hearing about all the stuff going on, I was like, oh, okay, I have stuff that I'm interested in that I could pick from. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it was the research community, um, just support. I think those were like the big the big things for me, their notoriety. Yeah. I think that all of those things are really important to consider. Um, you know, I've worked with a lot of undergraduate students, um, helping them try to make that transition. So one of the things that I'm really passionate about is supporting people through mentoring. And mm-hmm. um, I have served as either a peer mentor for several research programs at the university of Florida. So we have one that's through the graduate school that they run. There's also um, our Ronald E. McNair Scholars Program. Mm-hmm. And so I served as a peer mentor for that for several I years. I my first McNair Scholar in my lab. Oh, and I'm so yay. excited. I was like, hey, Karine. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then um, 
Yeah, she was one of my students, by the way. I wrote her really? recommendation letter. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, and so I, the, then there's you see community. You know, I, I'm telling you, <laughs> um, she actually sent me a note to tell me thank you for writing her letter and that she got in. So I'm super excited for her. But there's also, um, you know, being a part of people's trajectories is just important for me. So I got to help a lot of people navigate the the system of pursuing graduate studies. And it's been really cool to like help support their decision-making process because there are a lot of things to consider, right? Like, are you going to thrive in minus 10 degree weather? Right. <laughs> you are from the country of Haiti. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And sometimes like you'll have adjustment issues that have nothing to do with like your actual aptitude as a student. It's all about your environment, your climate, where you are. Um, Yeah. Cost of living is important to consider. Like, are you going to be able to afford to live where you're moving? And, you know, is the stipend enough for you to live how you want to live? Like some people don't want to live with other people. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't go to the school that is <laughs> right. that is in California because you're gonna even, have a roommate. <laughs> yeah, even professionals have roommates over right. there, so you have to think about like and prioritize what matters. And to some people, that's not a big deal, but to other people, that's a deal breaker. And I think that's important to to note for some people. Definitely, definitely. Okay, so. Assume someone has an exact program they want to go into. They love what grad school's about. What advice would you offer just like for someone who's like, I'm about to walk in the door for grad school, like things they should keep in mind. Like, so one thing I think of is like um, your why, like knowing why you're doing this, because mm-hmm. your why is definitely like the thing that's going to keep you motivated because your research is going to piss you off. You're going to have days where <laughs> something's not working, you know, you can't figure something out or you don't feel like going in because you've had enough of looking at the same thing over and over, but your why is the thing that motivates you. And sometimes some people's whys are just, oh, I just want to hear people call me doctor. And mm-hmm. that's not going to get you, at least for me, when I was at Michigan, I was like, I'm glad that I love computer science because it <laughs> I like helping people because it is cold and it is icy and I would not be out here on this bus trying to take a bus to walk to then take another bus to walk some more. I would not be doing that (laughs) if I didn't really love this. So that's like one piece of advice that I would give someone is to like know your why and like make sure that your why is something that will wake you up when you don't feel like doing what you need to do. The advice that I always give students, and I think it would be true of myself not to share this on the podcast, is to be your own advocate. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that we are, as Black women, kind of trained to just fix it ourselves, like figure it out on our own, like we're capable, we can do all the things. You can't do all the things. (laughs) I'm sorry. Like... (laughs) I'm just going to let y'all know you can't do all the things. Right. You will burn out. You will not be, it's not sustainable. Right. And I think understanding what you need and being able to advocate for yourself is the most, the single most important skill that you can learn in life 
And it's a hard lesson to learn if you haven't already done so once you hit grad school, because yeah. there are going to be days where you need somebody else. Yeah. There might be seasons. <laughs> exactly. Um, and if you can't articulate what it is that's going to help you be successful, it's really hard to be successful. And not being afraid to make that known to yeah. others. Yeah. Like it could just be, I, I have a lot of data and I need to run some statistics and I haven't done statistics in a long time. Can you help me like think through what analysis I should use to get the data that I need? It yeah. could be. I that's exa- am- Jeremy, that's like exactly the conversation <laughs> I had with one of my good friends, Banga. I have to tell this story where he was, he's a math and statistics, you know, PhD. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I got this, I have this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And he's helping me, you know, run all the stats. And I'm like, and it's like, oh, the first quant, I was like, something's in the upper quantily. He's like, quanta? (laughs) Quantily. Quantily was the way that I was pronouncing it. Because again, this is his area, not mine. He he was very, very nice about it. It was like, quanta. (laughs) But, you know, for me, if I had just been super like, I can't ask for help. I can't, you know, advocate for myself and say what I need. But yes, that that is my story. But ask about the quantities, no matter <laughs> how wrong you are. Because <laughs> I got my data analyzed, didn't I? And I know what Yeah, you is. sure did. I mean, it's that. It could be like, I really think that I need to go to this conference because, um, you know, I want to present, but I, I don't have anything to present yet. So it would be great for me to get exposure to what is accepted and the caliber of research that I need to do, but my advisor doesn't have funding. Is there a place that I can get the support to go? You know, yeah. there's there's so many different asks that you might have. And if you don't ever ask, you will never, potentially never get the option or the opportunity to capitalize on, you know, the opportunities that are available in grad school because there's so many like there's so many resources i and... studied abroad in grad school people don't talk about that as being an mm-hmm. option that's an option like you can do internships in grad school in computer science is very common oh yeah it's okay. not so common in other disciplines but it's very common and then also people don't know what you need because oftentimes oh, like, yeah. someone will be sitting on resources and they might have sent 10 emails out and they kind of fell on deaf ears. But mm-hmm. if you make known what you need, you know, you'd be surprised how many people who have access to that would be willing to help you. But yeah. they can never help you if they don't know what you need. Yeah. Even if it's just, I don't know how to write. Right. Okay. We can help that. We exactly. can help with that. Yeah, I can tell tens of thousands of stories of just me talking about what I'm doing to someone and my pain points and then being like, did you talk to such and such? And then such and such literally having exactly what I needed. <laughs> so don't feel like you need to suffer in silence, you know, because mm. that's basically all you're going to do. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, the other thing I will add is like, um, you should be comfortable with things being subjective because I've never been in such an area where the opinions of other people determine how well you do. Mm-hmm. And we're taught in life, you know, don't care about what other people think about you, but 
to a that degree. Is so real. <laughs> to a degree, you do need to care what people think about you um, in terms of like your research because you're submitting grant proposals, you're submitting papers, and papers are evaluated by people. So people have opinions. <laughs> so you can't let that, you can't take it to heart. Somebody might be having a bad day. They may not even want to read your paper, but they agreed to do it. And they mis- mm. people look for opportunities to misunderstand your work. <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. why I'm really super hard on my students about being clear and concise. Um, but all that to say, there's a lot of subjectivity. And if you're a person who feels like, oh, someone doesn't like my work, they hate me. Done. You know, you, you can't you can't have the dramatics. You got to roll with the punches and say, okay, they didn't like it. Oh, guess what? It came with a whole list of stuff that I can change so it can be liked next time. So, hey, but don't count on that. Yeah, because then you get a whole other group of people who are like, well, go back to what it was, and then yeah. And then, <laughs> anyways, that's you just can point my that personal. out to the editor because that's another mm-hmm. thing too. I had a journal article in like one of the most prestigious journals in my area. And they asked me for one thing and it was like, there's too much detail here. Cut it back. People can look at the details in the paper. I cut it back, send it again. Oh, you didn't explain this process. It was in the first paper. So then I just copied that correspondence and gave it to the editor and was like, I'm sorry, what would you like me to do? Because this says this, this says the opposite. And he was like, just send in what you have this is perfect and he fast-tracked it so all that to say this even the subjectivity like if I had let that get to me I could have been like okay I don't know what to do I'm just going to kill this paper but Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah that's good all right so we've decided we're going to grad school we have all the great advice in the world when I'm applying for grad school what role does social media play like how can i use that to my advantage oh okay well so this what what do you think i was about to say (laughs) kyla gets in trouble y'all i I don't put it out there she she, (laughs) look i had to start regulating some things and telling her you're gonna take that stuff i became her mom post this but you gotta see this i'll be like i don't (laughs) post it but look at it And I think people can tell from listening to the podcast, like, who you are and who I am. Yes. I feel like if there's a post, people could definitely tell whose voice, who wrote what, or who made what, whose Um, idea was what. But I just, I was so reluctant to do this whole social media adventure um, because I just, there's a lot of power in it, but anything that has a lot of power can be used for good or evil. And I feel like sometimes depending on how you leverage social media, you can get into a lot of trouble and it's not worth it for a tweet. Yeah. For For 120 characters. Like it's not worth it to change the trajectory of your life. So it's true. Um, I, police my postings as much as possible sometimes I like type stuff out and delete it and just be like <laughs> no one needed to see that um, right like I but, got it out of my system and now it's erased <laughs> yeah um and then also my mom is is my person who like tells me to take stuff down so she's always watching I think I just think it's important to like know People do watch that. They do see what you say. I have people come up to me all the time and say like, oh, I saw you on Twitter and I saw you on Instagram. So if you do have open accounts, like 
think about what you share with other people because yeah. it can be used for good or for evil. Absolutely. I definitely know like there's times when let's say we're going through applications and like the PhD program is a lot smaller than undergrad. So nobody has time to go through millions of social media posts of undergraduates. But if I don't know anything about you and your application has minimal details, I might just Google you to see like, what is, who is this person? What pops up? Yes. And there's been times I'm like, Ooh, that's you. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. But you can use it to your advantage. Cause if you know, people are going to be looking for you, make yourself when you are findable, make yourself look like someone who is attractive to graduate schools. Like, um, I think Twitter is great because you can engage in all these different conversations around different research topics. So if I stumble upon your information, it leads me to a Twitter account and I see you having awesome conversations about the area that I work in and you're applying to be in this area. I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. this person's already doing the work. They, this looks good versus, you know, you talking about Taco Bell all the time or something. You can talk about Taco <laughs> Bell. Taco Bell is non contract controversial <laughs> that's uh, true non-controversy is better yes <laughs> or but, don't have anything up that's the other thing yeah just it's okay to like have opinions and be yourself on social media but like you really don't want it to be something that's a poor reflection on your character or on like your employer right like you're going to be working for this person this is your employer so um Nobody really wants to have an employee who's a loose cannon. <laughs> uh, not a loose cannon is probably a good way to phrase it. Yeah, but could be detrimental to the brand of the company or you know whatever. However you see it, the lab that you're working in, right? Um, the university or college that you're working for. Yeah, I would even say another good advantage too is like if you know, let's say you've narrowed down your choices of schools. I didn't have this option because Twitter wasn't as popping as it is now when I was going to school, but you could like be in conversations of people whose lives you want to work in. Like if you mm -hmm. see them tweet about something or they have a paper that's cool, you can be like, oh, congratulations on the paper. I like the part where blah, 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 blah. And that gets you on someone's radar more so than blind emailing, you know, and asking what's your lab like. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's definitely an advantage too, how you can, um, you know, just use it to make connections and you never know where that'll go. Yeah. I mean, and then we have like new communities that have popped up like the Black and X network of mm -hmm. communities where there's a lot of like intersectional spaces where you can find researchers and talk to them about what you're interested in. So I love that. Um, about Twitter. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. There'll be a random hashtag about a topic and you just join on in and keep the conversation going. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I am on social media. <laughs> I've decided I want to go to grad school. I have all the great advice in the world. What's the money looking like? What is the money talking about? That depends on where you go. Yeah, it depends on yeah. where you go. I mean, I think the... National Science Foundation Graduate Research Fellowship Program, their number is around like $34,000 a year now mm -hmm. um, for three years that you're And funded. they also pay your tuition and, you mm -hmm. know, I, do they pay fees? I don't know. That's a weird thing mm -hmm. here. Okay. So you, you might be, this is the only school I know that make, anyway, 
yes, <laughs> you can get funding to go to graduate school uh, from the National Science Foundation. There's also GEM, which is another, don't ask yeah. me the acronym because it's, it's not really an acronym. The GEM yeah, Consortium, it, it did. Yeah. yeah. The GEM Consortium is an organization that brings together industry um, and government agencies to support uh students who are pursuing graduate degree programs and they're it's used for under underrepresented students um, in engineering and computing degree programs and so you could be placed in a national lab you could be placed you know at a major corporation like intel yeah i was at ibm ibm and um, they pay for a stipend for you, and then it's an it's an agreement with the university. So there are specific places in the country that you can go and have that uh, fellowship funding supported. Yep. So it it does kind of come with stipulations. Right? You're going to do some internships for the company that supports you. But you get paid too. But you get paid during those right. internships. That's on so, top of the stipend they're already giving you. Yeah. So I like I like that program a lot. Um, there's a lot of different fellowships out there that you can get. Yeah, there's the Ford Foundation. That's another mm-hmm. where you can get it at probably like three different points in your career, at least mm-hmm. two that I know of. Um, like when you're finishing, like they have one for, hey, I just got one more year left. Yeah. <laughs> I just need to get out of here. And they have stuff for, you know, just jumping into it. But uh, take on point is if you're Black and a woman, and especially if you're from America, somebody's going to pay for you to go to grad school. Like should. somebody should, and most likely they will. Um, a lot of people think that, oh, why would I go into more school after doing undergrad? I have all this debt. I'm going to accumulate more debt. Or if you didn't have debt in undergrad, why would I, you know, get a new loan? But that's not always the case. Likely mm-hmm. there is money out there for you. There's internal money. The person you work with might have a grant where you get a fellowship through the university. So uh, there's so much money. That I was making there. over forty thousand dollars like my first year. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, Jeremy bought like, a house as a grad student. I'm just saying. I know other people that have bought houses as grad students. So we live in Florida, and at the time, <laughs> it wasn't being ridiculous. Yeah. Now you can't really do that because the world is on fire. But anyways, I digress. Home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's lots of funding support um, there, but I want to talk about too, like having internal funding versus external funding mm. and like the caveats there. So what, what are your thoughts, Jeremy? Um, child, this is a whole, <laughs> okay. So um, for those of you who are listening and don't know, there's a couple of things that I think are important for me to say. One, I worked for the graduate school at my university. So I do have a little bit more perspective from a lot of, graduate students um, just because I inter- intervened with a lot of them like and so yeah we'll just leave that there um, Two, like Kyla mentioned I knew everybody so it was a different scenario for me than it might be for you but I ended up with a lot of external funding my first couple of years in the program and with external funding you're not your work that you're doing, like, you know, how you're getting your paycheck isn't tied to a specific research project typically. Mm -hmm. So let's say I have a lab, right? And I have some grants that were awarded to do some specific things. 
and there are deliverables from the people who gave me those grants. Like right. every year on this day, you have to have submitted a report about so your that progress. Means yes. you have to show progress in that grant. So that means someone has to do that work. Mm-hmm. Right. And I have to be able to measure what was done at the end. So people who have money that's funded from the university are usually put on those grants mm-hmm. to support them, you know, making it through their program. And their job is to ensure that progress is made on that grant. Right. And there's all these milestones in place to be like, hey, you know, we have made progress because we have to show progress. Like it's a default kind of thing. In the grant, you've put together a timeline of what you're going to deliver by what date. So like you've actually thought through these things and how Mm -hmm. much time it takes. And the grad student is the research engine here. So it's like, (laughs) it's almost like grad student doing the stuff, right? Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm over here and I just got money. So, yeah, you can help so-and-so out on that grant, and then you're going to help somebody else over here. And then, oh, by the way, I need to get this equipment set up in the lab. Can you handle that? So you're doing all of these little things, which don't actually contribute as much to the big thing. And at the end of the day, you've done a lot of work. You've gotten a lot of different expertise, but... Have you really contributed meaningfully to the research? Right. Maybe not. And Do you so, have a defined dissertation project at this point? Probably not. And so sometimes people who have external funding get left behind because they're multitasking in different in different ways that a PhD student who's been given a specific measurable task has not been. And that was my story. And it's the advisor doesn't have any incentive. Oh yeah, they didn't. To, he, yeah, in my case, he cared, but he didn't have any real recourse to like do much. Like it was yeah. kind of like, well, this is just what it is. Right. I, I don't have anything that you can work on that. Like we already have somebody doing that. It's just like almost like free labor, basically. Like imagine. If a big, huge fang company or whatever their new name is now, you know, (laughs) there's all these people that they pay to work there. So they're going to make sure those people do their job. But here comes someone who's just as talented and they say, I'm going to work for free. They're not committed to anything you have going on, to your progression, to your Mm -hmm. acquiring skills. I'm not saying that's everyone, but people generally put their effort towards things that they're going to be accountable for. And I floated for a while and, same, same. and I was like listen this isn't it like I know y'all see me over here trying asking questions right and I'm a extrovert I'm a talker I'm gonna tell you how I feel so I was telling everybody everything and mm-hmm. I it still it didn't matter so I would encourage you to get in writing what it is specifically that you're going to do because that really helps make things real yeah. And they're supposed to do that, but it doesn't necessarily translate. Yeah. There's it's also a, oh, oh. Go ahead. I was gonna say it's a blessing and a curse sometimes yeah. because like having your own funding, you can sort of pick what you want to work on, 
but your advisor has to agree on that thing too. So mm -hmm. if you pick something or to be in a lab where someone is like, well, I don't really do that. You're like, I don't care. I want you to be my advisor. You got to <laughs> deal with what comes with that afterwards. They may not be able to give you as great advice as another professor. Like they, it's kind of like you're just taking up space there. So it's great mm -hmm. to have the freedom of what you'd like to study, but you need to exercise caution in who you pick because not everyone's like that. Like my students who, I have a couple students who I either partially fund or don't fund at all and someone else does, but everybody gets the same amount of attention because we have the same goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, so like it does give you leverage, right? Like I, I was like, I'm not happy here. I'm leaving. And I left mm -hmm. and I could do that because I have money and yep. What y'all gonna do? So we're gonna check me though. So I, I switched, but in the conversations that I had with the person who I was switching to, I was like, I want to do work that's going to lead me to a PhD so I can leave here. Like ultimately, I really don't care at this point what it looks like. I just need it to be a PhD. And um I spent about a year working on some stuff that didn't lead to that. And I was just like, you know what? what do you want me to do? <laughs> like, I don't care what it is that we do, but it's clear to me that what I want to do isn't what you want to do. And so we're just going to put that aside and you're going to tell me what makes sense for you. And I'm going to work on that. Gasp, Jeremy, you're telling me that your dissertation work wasn't something that your heart just yearned to do since you were five. No, Child, <laughs> what? I was so mad. Like, I really, really, really love concrete. I know that's strange. Hold on a second. Let me just <laughs> lean off screen for a second. I thought you were about to go get a piece of concrete. <laughs> oh, and you are. <laughs> for everybody who's listening, Jeremy just picked up a big old cylinder of concrete that she this just happens to have right in her desk. Of concrete in her Isn't house. It beautiful. It's, it's quite heavy. Um, was. One that I made extra during my civil engineering materials course oh. as an undergrad. I still have it because I was so excited that I made an extra one. <laughs> Everybody was like, why are you doing this? I was like, I just love it so much. I'm so excited. So this is what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to do concrete research. I ended up doing asphalt research. I know to y'all, you're like, that's not different. It's different, okay? And I'm not going <laughs> to tell you why, because you know what? I don't do that research anymore. Y'all can. She don't um, live there no more. <laughs> but, you know, at some point, it's just like, I need this degree so I can do the things I want to do. Yeah. And I had conversations with the dean of our graduate school about making this transition. I was not really comfortable making the transition to a new lab. I knew that I needed to move. And he was like, what you're going to do, this was a Wednesday, what you're going to do is get a new advisor. And by Friday, I will know who that person is. Wow. And I was like, but it's Wednesday. And he was like, <laughs> I'll see you on Friday. I said what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I walked out of there. I was shaking. I was like, this is oh my like, what's happening. Wow. And so. Not playing. I, he was not playing. But what he said to me before he gave me the ultimatum was, look, it does not matter what your PhD is in. Nobody okay. is going to look at your PhD. Nobody's going to read your dissertation and 
check your credentials to see like, oh, she got a PhD that's about asphalt and not concrete. And so we can't hire her. Exactly. Because like, it's not it's not about what your dissertation work is on. That's not what this is about. And I, I feel like a lot of people believe, wrongly believe, that's all it is. Yeah, and people get hung up on, oh, that's not my exact thing. The PhD shows that you have the ability to take a problem, take a question, see it through to a solution that makes sense. And that can be done in any capacity. It's a way that you think differently mm-hmm. than other people. Like the goal of it is for you to understand how to research something, right? how to arrive at an answer, how to fill a void that yes. no one else has filled. And how to analyze how well you filled that void. <laughs> yeah. So like, if I learn this method, I could take said method and apply it over here and over there and over there and like all these other places. So, yeah. you know, I work in engineering education now. That is not civil engineering. It's <laughs> not definitely not civil engineering materials. Yeah. I was an experimentalist. I was in a lab making specimens and testing specimens. And now I talk to people. I don't get dirty no more. <laughs> I would say one criticism I hear when people try to discourage folks from getting the PhD is like, oh, you'll be so specialized in one thing that you can't get hired. And that is complete. The person who said that don't have a PhD (laughs) because clearly they do not know. Or if they have one, they're not using it the way that they should because you. 100%. I have so many friends who are not doing whatever it is that they decided they were going to do when they got their PhD. Like so many. I have one who's research is in polymers in material science and they work with ceramics now totally different material process totally different the application is totally different they're not dealing with people and biomaterials now they're dealing with construction materials yeah my phd is in computer science i have papers and things that i like for example brain computer interfaces you probably heard about it on one of our episodes but (laughs) i decided oh that sounds cool it uses signal processing i use signal processing guess what now i have three signal processing papers because i just decided that was interesting to me so yeah i study audio but i also have a skill set that can be applied to other things so mm-hmm. um people hire you because of the skill set not necessarily the knowledge people hire people because they like people that too that too <laughs> be it doesn't even don't, have don't to do with the knowledge <laughs> yes it's so important to be likable not saying you need to walk in the room and like shake every hand and say hi to everybody but if you are a joy to work with people will choose you over folks that you feel are more qualified or whatever to do things just because you're easier to work with well i think it's important to be teachable yeah and be open to learning because the people who you are calling experts while we may have experiences that would lean to us being considered experts, they don't know everything. Sure don't. <laughs> and so ultimately our our job as people with PhDs is to be continual learners and to adapt. And if you can't learn something, then I don't want to work with you because yeah. I don't have time for that. Like, <laughs> no. Some people are very rigid in how they think and they're not, they're not flexible. They're not, 
they don't even reflect on like their behaviors and things like that. I don't want to work with that person. I'm yeah, sorry. I agree. hundred percent. Okay. So last thing we're going to close out on is when you're, in, when you're in grad school, you're like, you know, if you graduate undergrad, typically you're about 20, 21, 20, so no, 21, 22 ish. And you're in grad school getting your PhD 23. for like 23. <laughs> well, you're in your 20s. We'll say that for most people. We do have non-traditional we have folks that come back. But the question is, what happens to real life while you're in grad school? Like, do you just mm. miss out on those, year, on those years? Or... <sighs> <laughs> oh, my. The scandal. <laughs> I just, I felt like for a while... And this is just me. I just was watching my friends who went to industry, like make real money. They on boats everywhere. <laughs> like y'all yeah. in Egypt. Somebody's riding a camel. Right. Y'all doing diving experiences with dolphins. Right. And I am with these rocks <laughs> in a basement getting dirty like i can't even have my nails done <laughs> look i was so mad i was big mad y'all um oh my gosh because it was just so much it just felt like the world was happening and i was just stuck i was stuck is that how you felt that yes but i was that with rocks in the face making <laughs> That just that if that does I'm not paint a picture real. of how it felt, I felt like I was getting dirty in the business <laughs> of rocks. But yeah, it felt the same way. Like people were getting married, achieving all these different milestones, and I'm like, I'm literally here looking at a computer screen, putting hot chocolate mix into my coffee because that's mm-hmm. my crack and mm-hmm. <laughs> staying alive. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I felt like I was missing out, but then when I got out, I was like, I actually didn't miss much, girl. But Some I made of a point. People to... got diver- divorced. And I was about and... to say that too. I was like, my cousin. I was telling him that one day when I was in my department because he's like, you know, about five years older than me. And I was like, oh, I feel like I'm missing out on life. Everybody's getting married. He's like, well, everybody my age getting divorced, so <laughs> you ain't missing much. Look. So, but I felt like you know, but I still tried to keep like a normal life. Like I had a set of friends that had nothing to do with the university, and like we were in like a dance group together doing like urban ballroom in Detroit and like I would go on trips with them and it was just a good chance to just kind of separate myself from the university and just be a human and be like this is a thing that I enjoy so yeah yeah I um I got married in graduate school I bought a house I got a dog so it's not like um my life stopped like I I was dating my husband the whole time pretty much like I had a life. I was yeah. traveling and going places and doing things. It just wasn't as cool. But also cause... people need to keep on lifing because I feel like people think, oh, I'm in grad school. I need to be so serious. I can't entertain anything outside. But that's mm-hmm. so not the truth. No, but also Rod got dirty in the lab. <laughs> you know, every now and then it, it was like, supportive husband. I'm going to train you. You're going to exactly. do some of this work. <laughs> that was your um... first lab student. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I should ask him about his experience. <laughs> Um, but I just, you know, you have a lot of friends because it's really hard to go through something so challenging alone. And sometimes it's just like the communal, I'm going to complain today. Um, and then sometimes it's like, let's go to 
St. Augustine for the weekend on the beach, get a little house, everybody sharing. Yeah. We grill somewhere, you know, we did a lot of relaxing too. A lot of birthday party celebrations. My whole lab was a bunch of like Europeans for the most part. And oh, they know how to have birthdays. Look, and they all liked cooking and drinking. (laughs) (laughs) So we would have like food themed parties. Mm-hmm. And it was like everybody would be responsible for a dish, and it would just be like really good, like just to be around. They're like my lab family, you know. Yeah, and we still stay in touch. Like they're all over the world now. You know, most of them went back to where they were from, and we still keep in contact. Yeah, I would add to like. It's so important. That's why we mention community so much because life is lifing the whole time mm-hmm. you were in grad school. So the people who you're there with, who are you're commiserating with, you need to make sure y'all are in community because you're going to stay in each other's lives. You don't just magically forget each other nope. once you're done. Like it's like, almost like, what do they call it when um, people bond over like a trauma? Um, <laughs> for that but i feel like that is it when you have this a trauma bond maybe that's it girl i don't know but you know (laughs) going through this experience like you see each other at your highs at your lows and you know being there to support each other like to me i'm like yes i wasn't doing all the things that i felt like everyone who hadn't gone to grad school was doing but i was still living life and going through those phases and i'll say this like i think some of the friends that i had who were doing all the things all most of them have said to me like I wish that I would have done what you did. Oh. And I, I think that's kind of weird. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I wish I would have done what y'all did. Um, but it's just, it's kind of telling that like how you walk through something, people see it. Yeah. And, and so now people are looking. Thing. Yeah, they're looking at my life now and they're like, that was a good life choice for you. Yeah. And um, it could have been for them too, maybe. Who knows? Everybody's choice is right for them at the time. Mm-hmm. All right. So stay tuned for part three of our series. It's going to be about mentoring, but. Um, <gasps> mentoring. Yeah. Yes. Jeremy's so excited about it. This is her whole thing her whole research topic so we are going to get into it so let us know actually how you like this series that's going on because we got a whole instagram i know the whole outro is going to come on next but you need to hear me saying it we have instagram we have facebook (laughs) we have you know twitter let us know like if you're listening just jump on on one of those and obviously there's probably a tweet or something or a message about this episode let us know what you think like do you like this series y'all want us to just stop are we just telling because I, y'all don't need to know anything else about me for real. <laughs> thank you everybody <laughs> as always you can find us on our website modernfigurespodcast.com send your questions to ask us at modernfigurespodcast.com and follow us on twitter kyla is at dr underscore kyla and I am at Jeremy Waysom. Visit modernfiguresinc.com to learn more about our nonprofit organization aimed at promoting and engaging with women and girls interested in science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and of course, computing. Until next time, stay moisturized, hydrated, mind your business, and protect your peace. <laughs>